Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. I'll bet you've gotten a robocall. That is, unless you're a hermit and live in a cave, if you have any kind of phone, you're going to have received a robocall. They drive us crazy. They defraud us. They do all kinds of things. And there are a lot of people out there fighting to stop them. We're going to look at why they're so hard to stop, where they come from, who's doing them, and what is our government doing to try to stop them. My guest today is Christy Thompson. She is the chief of the the Telecommunications Consumers Division Enforcement Bureau within the Federal Communications Commission. It's a big, long title, Christy. Welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. Now, this is a subject that I think everybody in the world has gotten a robocall, unless they're the doers and and not the receivers like we are. But at any (laughs) rate, um, robocalls, tell us, first off, give us a little oversight into what the FCC has jurisdiction over. Absolutely. We are the federal agency that polices all telephone networks, uh, as well as broadcasting networks, satellite communications. If it's, a com- if it's a communication system, we oversee it. And my job over the past several years has been focused on ending the scourge of robocalls. It's something that, like you say, has been driving Americans everywhere absolutely crazy. Uh, we're the Enforcement Bureau, so we actually enforce the laws that are there to protect consumers from receiving robocalls that are abusive, that are fraudulent, that that they frankly just don't want, uh, which, uh, which I feel safe to say the majority of Americans would agree we do not want robocalls of any kind. Uh, we are... We we enforce the law. There are several laws that we enforce. One of them is the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. That is the robocall law, which says that you can't make robocalls to wireless phones, for example, unless it's uh, for an emergency purpose or you have given your permission. It's got all of our favorite things like our telemarketing restrictions about when telemarketers can call you, what times of day, uh, whether they can call you without your permission or not. Um, And then there's the Truth in Caller ID Act, which is another very important uh, law that governs what shows up on your caller ID. Caller ID is an extremely popular service. Pretty much every cell phone and smartphone these days comes equipped with it. And that's something that consumers use to determine, you know, is this a call that I want to pick up or not? So it's a big problem when, you know, fraudsters out there try to fake their identities on caller ID. They try to trick people into thinking that it's a legitimate call or that it's a call you want to take so that they can try and, and right. defraud you. Yeah, that's <clears> and the whole, the whole problem of spoofing is one that's gotten so prevalent lately that uh, you don't know who's calling you when you actually look at your caller ID. It may say your bank, but chances are good that it's probably not your bank. It's probably a scammer out there. Well, maybe not. It could be your bank calling, but nevertheless, my bank doesn't call me, really. So anyway, the, the whole issue here is the frequency of these calls 
and the fact that they're fraudulent and you can't seem to stop them. Now tell me, where do they come from? Where are the majority of these fraud, these calls being initiated? Are they coming outside the country? Are they within the U.S.? Are you all able to identify where they're coming from? We are able to identify where a lot of them are coming from, but it's not a simple process. And the answer to your question about where all these calls are coming from is they're coming from a lot of different people in a lot of different places. And it really depends on what, the kind, of, what kind of robocall it is. Uh, so, for example, the ones that I kind of think of as the worst of the worst are the government imposter scams. These are the notorious IRS scams, the robocall message says, we're calling from the Internal Revenue Service, you owe us a whole bunch of back taxes, they may even cite you an exact dollar amount, and then they'll threaten things like, we will send law enforcement to your house, or the sheriff is coming to arrest you if you don't pay us directly. There's several different flavors of this kind of robocalling scam. And in fact, in recent months, these same scammers that for years have been pretending to be the IRS have now branched out and their new scam is to pretend to be the Social Security Administration. But it's the same idea. We're calling from the Social Security Administration. You owe us X amount of money that you were paid in benefits. Uh, We're going to send the police to your house to arrest you if you don't pay us immediately. They've it's basically the name has changed, but the scam is exactly the same. Why, why are they, large, if you know where they're coming from, I know this is a simplistic question, but why are they so hard to stop? I mean, I guess uh, they go through all different kinds of shenanigans to keep you all from identifying them. Is that true? That is exactly right. They hide their identity. They use spoofing, just like you mentioned before. They fake the telephone number that shows up in the caller ID so that at the end, the victim knows that that they got an illegal robocall, that it was a scam. But when they reach out to people like me to say, hey, I need help, I got this bad call, the only thing that they know is that they got a is that they got a call on a certain date and time, and they have a they have a number which is fake. Yep. So sort of imagine like a bank robber who you know who who uses a mask, you know, uses a mask to rob a bank. All you know is that you know the guy was was dressed up like the Joker, but you don't know you don't know who who he really was, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely true. So they they hide their identity. They probably use a multitude of of, uh, resources in terms of of computers and switching off to keep you from actually telling where the calls are coming from. Uh, Different they phone. Do they put them through different networks? Do they do that kind of thing so that there's no direct line that comes from them to the consumer? They do use different networks, and frankly, that's just the way the telephone network. Operates okay, so in that's general, part of the system, yeah. Right, okay. right. But that is one of the challenges because it's it's kind of amazing. But when you make a phone call, you you take let's say you have a a cell phone and you dial your cell phone and you push send. When you push send, it's usually only like a couple of seconds between the time that you activate the call before it starts ringing on the other side. And yet during those tiny little seconds, those you know two or three seconds maybe that call could have passed through up to a dozen different carriers before it reached its destination. That's it incredible. All yeah, and most of us don't even know. It kind, of, what that it kind of boggles the mind to think about the technology that's involved here. And at any rate, we love, I love my phone, I love my, my cell phone, I love my telephone. 
I want my telephone to be safe, but it isn't. So now here's here's the thing. And I want you to think about this. We're going to have to take a break here. But I want to know what consumers can do and how can they protect themselves? I mean, I, I don't seem to have any way. I've just started picking up, hitting the on button and hitting the off button when I see that my phone company now marks some of them as scams. But anyway, let's just take a brief pause here. Our listeners let them know that they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Christy, excuse me, Thompson. She is with the Federal Communications Division. She's the chief of their Telecommunications Consumers Division within the Enforcement Bureau. And she's the one out there. She's the police person. She's the policewoman that's helping us to try to fight these awful things. Is that a fair description? Absolutely. You like and, that? Uh, I'm just a yes. I take my job very seriously, <laughs> and I'm proud of, of being a robocall fighter. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to what, what can a consumer do? Now, we look at the phone, and we have to make a judgment as to whether or not we're going to answer it. Some phone companies now are putting a scam question mark. My, my landline company does that, and I think my cell phone company does as well. I, I, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, uh, so I have to judge whether or not I want to answer that call. And oftentimes now I find that they're using my the prefix to my area, my 301 area code, and then the next three digits, they duplicate those. And I've even gotten calls, Christy, that say that they're from Shirley Rooker with my home phone number on them. Boy, is that an insult. <laughs> It, it surely is. Uh, what you're describing there has a name. It's called neighbor spoofing. That's where they duplicate those first six digits, your area code and then the local exchange code. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, they do that because that's the, the same kind of numbers that your neighbors all have. Oh, yeah. uh, they tend to be allocated by neighborhoods, you know, on a, on a landline. So what the scammers are trying to do is they're trying to make it more likely that you'll pick up. That's their, you know, primary goal. Their secondary goal is... They're also trying to hide their activity from me and from folks who are who are at the carriers who are trying to detect these bad robocalling events while they are happening. So in addition to, to government cops on the beat, each of the carriers also has very sophisticated uh, network engineers who are also watching the traffic and they're trying to, to prevent harms to, to consumers just like just like we are. I know so, and it's a very you know, complicated process. I, I, I'm on a definitely. committee at the uh, Federal Communications Commission, the Consumer Advisory. Well, I, I don't, I'm not going to talk about that, what we do, but one of the things that I've learned is that the telecommunications companies are working just about as hard as anybody could work to try to stop these because they know that it that reduces the confidence that consumers have in their phone service. So, uh, and that has nothing to do with the company, pr the providers themselves, but it does have to do with the fact that we are so often victims of fraud on these calls. Um, so now, what do you recommend that consumers do? do I, like, What I do is I just don't want it going to my voicemail. Then I have to go and answer it and listen to a blank time or listen to some crooked spiel. So I just pick up the phone. I press the on button, immediately press the off button. Um, is that dumb? Should I do that? I mean, there's nothing that I seem to do that makes any difference. That is not dumb at all. In fact, that is that is a perfectly valid response to when you get a, a robocall that is already flagged as scam likely, you look at the number, you don't recognize it. Uh, I got a call 
uh, I got a call a few months ago that came back to a number in Egypt. Wow. I, I think that I think the nation of Egypt is fabulous, and I would love to go visit there someday. But I can guarantee no one is calling me for any legitimate purpose from Egypt. So that was one that I was just happy to decline. The best the best defense be skeptical of the calls you receive. If it is somebody who really is legitimate and who really wants to talk to you, they'll call back or they'll leave a message that discloses exactly who they are. I prevent them leaving a message by what I do. They don't get to my, I figure if they call back a second time, then I figure it's somebody I know. But generally the phones, the numbers register and the name registers on the phone. When they say, I got to ask you a question. I had this happen on my cell phone. I got a call that said it was restricted. Now, what in the devil? And I had a devil of a time getting it off and blocking it on my phone because it couldn't be blocked because there was no number. What does restricted mean? There are some numbers out there, and uh, in, in some cases, like the primary example of this would be law enforcement numbers or very sensitive government or military numbers, that they do not transmit caller ID information for security's sake. So what could happen is if there's a malicious scammer out there who spoofs one of those, who just happens to spoof one of those restricted numbers, mm-hmm. when, when they make that robocall, the carriers know to treat that one as a restricted call and not transmit the caller ID. So I would say unless you're expecting a call from a from you know someone from someone who who has to have their number caller ID blocked, I think it's 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 a, a safe bet to just not take that call. Send ignore that one to voicemail yep. or just yep. ignore it. Now the bottom line is be suspicious. If something doesn't look right don't trust it. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know the number, if, they, if there's no caller ID on there, then it, it really you really do have even the caller ID you have to question. So, uh, right. and since I've now, according to my caller ID, started calling myself, which I believe is a physical impossibility because I can't dial <laughs> my number for my number. You don't think they know better than that? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, Who it, knows how many times funny. they've used my number to call somebody else? That's the scary part of it. Would they do that? That is, that is they, they absolutely do that. We have heard from, I can't even tell you how many victims who have woken up one day, their phone starts ringing off of the hook uh, with angry people accusing them of making robocalls. Oh, boy. And the thing is, is they didn't make a single, I, I talked to a, a, a perfect example of this. There was a small hardware store in, uh, in, in a p- rural part of Idaho that was having this problem. Someone out there decided to use their telephone number to make a whole bunch of obnoxious robocalls. For weeks, this poor hardware store was just, the phones would ring off the hook with angry people who assumed that, who assumed that they were the ones responsible for those calls. That is just a perfect example of how spoofing is so dangerous and disruptive and also why people like me spend so much time trying to you know, find and penalize the people responsible for it. Well, I hope you get them. I mean, it really and truly, it re- it's so intrusive. Um, how many times, you know, I'm one of these people, I have to look at the phone. I have to look at the caller ID. Uh, when I'm upstairs and I don't have a caller ID in, in my bedroom, for example, I have an old phone, which I happen to love, but doesn't have a caller ID on it. So I sometimes will answer it. And uh, and, and it's a, a spam. And, and I've 
gone across the room, I get out of the shower, I do something stupid just to go to answer the phone. Really makes me a little bit angry. So anyway, all right, I want you to, I want to talk about when we come back, we're going to take a break here. I want to talk about, um, we've talked about who's behind them. I want to talk about some of the efforts that the uh, the uh, communications company, telecommunication companies are, are making and some of the things that the FCC is doing. You all are working hard on this, I know. It, it's, a, it's a daunting problem. But anyway, just to let our listeners know, you're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Christy Thompson. She is with the Federal Communications Commission. She's the chief of their telecommunications consumers division within the Enforcement Bureau. And this is a fascinating subject, Christy, because I, I would be willing to bet you there's not a person out there that hasn't gotten a robocall. So, um, I mean, I can't imagine that unless it's a brand new phone number that they got two hours ago, and even then they probably got a robocall. What are the communications, the telecommunication companies doing? I know that they are doing all kinds of things. Some of them now uh, have been given the green light by the FCC, I believe. Tell me if I'm putting this correctly. To actually start m making these calls, I mean, uh, marking these calls as, as spam and blocking some of them. I believe calls are being blocked now. Is that true? And does the consumer have the option to opt in or opt out of call blocking? That is exactly correct. We are, in fact, asking carriers to make more tools available for consumers, including call blocking. And one of the ways that we did that is we first said to the carriers, hey, you know and we know and everyone knows there are some telephone numbers that should just never, never show up on caller ID. And that's a, a, a real sign that whatever the call is, is a spoofed call. It's a bad call. Mm -hmm. For example, one of the, one of the most notorious numbers that, that got spoofed quite frequently by the IRS scammers was the IRS's telephone number. It's 1-800-TAX-1040, oh. you know, the, mm -hmm. their famous consumer helpline. And the, the IRS, you know, explained, we never make outgoing calls on this. This is a consumer help line that we just, we answer that phone. We don't, we don't make call. outbound calls. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the first numbers that, the, you know, the carriers all agreed to block was that number. Because we know if that telephone number shows up on any call, that's a scam. So why not just stop that traffic before it happens? That's one, that's of, the one, easier, that's one of the easier ones, though, isn't it, Christy? Exactly. That's one of the easier ones. Then it, then it becomes more difficult. If you've got a, a telephone number that makes two-way communications, you don't necessarily want to block all traffic. I mean, think of that, that hardware store in, in Idaho. If they had said, yes, please block my number, they would never have been able to make another telephone call. Right. They would now, have no business. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's not a, a good solution for them. So instead, we have to have a lot of, of little solutions for a lot of different situations. There's no one easy solution to the, to the robocalling problem that will solve everything in one swoop. So in addition to blocking, we've also asked the carriers to do two important things. One is to make more tools available to consumers like apps that will automatically detect or do some research on the calls before they come through or answer them or flag them as potential scams. And you've, it sounds like you've already seen some of that where your carriers now identifying some scam likely or mm -hmm. you know, potential yep. scams. Yep. And I love it. Second, I mean, I, I like, I like that. It gives me some comfort in knowing that it's probably a scam and I can, then I can decide whether or not I want to answer the phone. 
Exactly. And that's exactly what we're hoping for, is more of those kinds of tools that make it easier for consumers to decide what they want to do with that phone call. Do you have any idea how many consumers are are actually um, answering and talking to the scammers? I mean, sometimes I've done it. Sometimes I've talked to them, especially when Microsoft used to call me all the time. I love telling them (laughs) that I did not have a computer and that I didn't know what they were talking about. What computer? What's that? You know, I mean, really and truly. Um, so sometimes if I'm feeling really mischievous, I will do that. But that's not what is recommended because they can convince you that they're for real. I mean, they're pretty they, darn good. They, can. they what, are very are, good. You, I mean, they practice. What is the uh, the estimates on in the terms of the amount of money that's lost? Well, we don't actually know exactly how much money all Americans have lost to collectively to scammers. Uh, part of that is because a lot of these kinds of scams where folks have lost money, they've you know sent money thinking that they were dealing with the, the IRS or Social Security. A lot of folks, quite frankly, are just so embarrassed about having uh, having been victims of a, of a crime that they don't report it at all. For example, I have a, a family member who uh, fell victim to one of these these scams, and, and you know he contacted me for, for help about it. But at the same time, he'd made me swear that I wouldn't tell any of oh, the rest yeah. of our family that it had happened because he was just – he was so heartbroken and so humiliated. He was that well, he's embarrassed. Of course, I can understand that. Exactly. Who wants to admit that you were the victim of a fraud? I mean, and the, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's extremely difficult. Okay, we only have a couple of minutes left. What is your advice to consumers besides hang up? Now, reporting it to you all used to be the thing that I always did when I got telemarketing calls. But since they've started spoofing numbers, is that of any use to you? Do you still want consumers to report that they got a, a call? We absolutely do. Those reports from consumers are extremely valuable to me. I can't, pr- I can't promise that we will come out with an enforcement action, you know, the day after that you, you call. It takes, quite a lot of, uh, it takes quite a lot of legwork on my part to track down where the bad guys are coming from. But every little crumb of information is a clue that we use to try and track down where these scam calls are coming from and to put a stop to them. Okay. So, yes, please do continue to report them. File, file complaints with us and with the Federal Trade Commission at donotcall.gov. Just go to, to uh, does that get to both of you? They don't need to come to the FCC. Just go to donotcall.gov. Yep. If, if you file, you can file a complaint with us or the Federal Trade Commission, either one. Donotcall.gov is the one I think most people are familiar with. And yes, and we, we have access to that just like our, our friends at the Federal Trade Commission. Okay. So you would take from your part of the, the enforcement of it, the Federal Trade Commission is the one that takes them to court and sues them, right? And you That's all, correct. Yeah. And you all have done some things I know recently on uh, people who were setting up phone phony robocalls in the election in California, I guess in, that was a 2018, but you all just find them a lot of money. What happens yes, to that did. money? Does any of it get to the consumer? It, it doesn't go to consumers except for all of us as taxpayers. It goes sure. to the United States Treasury because it's a it's a fine. It's it's right. sort of imagine you know when the when the cops bust you know bust a, a forger mm-hmm. and they have to pay you know x amount of money as right. a fine. Right. It's the similar kind of thing. Okay. Well, at any rate, I'm glad that you all are there, and I'm very impressed. I heard you make a presentation on this, and this is why I called you, Christy, to get you on the air to talk about it, because I think people think, oh, it's a simple answer. Just solve the problem. You know, stop making, stop them from making calls. 
Well, yeah, if you can find them and if they're in another country, there's that issue as well. So there's a lot to think about. Again, tell consumers where to report these calls. Report them at, at uh, you can report them at donotcall.gov. That's the, probably the, you know, the, the very easiest portal that most people are familiar with. You can also file a complaint online with my agency directly at FCC.gov. Christy, uh, thank you. Big, I'm afraid we are you. running out of time. It, we just don't have enough time. We, as you said, at one to me at one point, we could talk all day about this. My guest has been Christy Thompson, Chief of the Telecommunications Consumers Division with the Enforcement Bureau of the Federal Communications Commission. I'm Shirley Rooker. You've been tuned in to Off Consuming Interest right here on 1500 AM. Thank you. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.